so uh, uh, if there's no other additions to the prayer list, praises or prayer requests, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. <clears throat> Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. You've told us in your word that we should not partake on any great or important undertaking without first seeking your guidance and your will. Lord, we ask you tonight to fill us with your spirit, fill this place with your spirit so that you can guide us through this. We ask you to fill Brother Nathan with your spirit. Let his word penetrate the hearts that need to be penetrated. Let his word soften the hard hearts. Let his word inspire us. If the coals of our faith are, are waning, let His Word be billows to those coals to fire them back up to red embers. Lord, I ask You to be with the Odom family as they grieve the loss of Laura's uncle, Tom. Lord, I thank You for uh, continuing to give my mother perfect days as far as I'm concerned. Um, Lord, I thank You for her longevity. Lord, I ask you to uh, be with all of those that are in whatever facility. I want to lift up our military, wherever they are. Keep them safe. Put a hedge of protection around them, Lord. Uh, I want you to cause the elected officials of this country to bend their knees and seek you for wisdom. Lord, we ask you not to remove your hand from our country. Lord, I ask you to be with those first responders, law enforcement officers and, and firemen and, and EMS as they go about their daily duties taking care and protecting us. But most of all, Lord, let us relax. Let us worship you with our whole hearts, our whole minds, our whole bodies and strength. Allow us to put away the, put away the cares of this world for the next little while and just bask in your word and the message you have for us tonight. Lord, I love you. I ask all this in your holy and precious name. Amen. Well, good evening. Well, we all stand and join together with sing hymn 68, Holy, Holy, Holy. Thou art holy, there is none 
once again, it is my privilege to welcome uh, Brother Nathan. Um, I'm excited to see where you're going tonight. Um, look forward to uh, uh, being challenged again. Um, so without further ado, Brother Nathan. Oh, we, I'm sorry. My bulletin's not up to date. Well, <laughs> sorry about that, brother. <laughs> you know, Pastor Jerry, I'm beginning to get a... <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> I'm from Pine Bluff. But well, the first I'm time I came, this same thing happened. <laughs> Everybody was on one program and Brother Jerry was on another program. <laughs> This is not the first time this is. No, no, sir. No, no. <laughs> I asked y'all to pray for me. I'm going to try to do an old one for you. And uh, hopefully I'll get out of your way and let Brother Nathan have the pulpit. Go ahead, Brother Brian.
So let's try this again. Yes. <laughs> yeah. you, you can have this. And I, 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 I apologize, Billy. <laughs> I apologize from the bottom of my heart. Hmm. Holy, holy, holy is thee. And we can't walk without him holding our hand. Church, that is that is my prayer for us as we go into tonight's word is realizing that we are coming to God's holy word to a holy God allowing us to hear from him and realizing we cannot do life without him holding our hand. Uh, some of y'all might know what life looks like when you try to let go of God's hand and where that gets you in life. So I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to dive into Scripture tonight, church. Amen? Amen? So let's pray, and then... Dear God, I just thank You tonight for the beautiful music that we've sang so far, that we've heard so far, to, to just be working on us already, God. And I pray tonight that You will open our minds and our hearts to receive Your Spirit from Your Word, God, that You will speak through us in a mighty way, just like Brother Jerry said, that You will help these coals, fan these coals, God, create a spark within us so we can take the flame and light up the world. God, that souls can see the light burning deep within, within us. So God, I pray for us tonight. God, also I want to uplift the team, that it, the team of people that are going to Honduras, God, and I want to pray that through them that souls will be saved, souls will be discipled, just wonders and miracles can be done down in Honduras in the coming days. That as Your Word teaches, that we are called to make disciples of all nations. So God, bless this team of people that are going. Prepare their hearts, prepare their minds, allow them to be ready, God. But not only that, prepare us tonight so that we can go out to Pine Bluff, to Aberdeen, to Pinehurst, to Southern Pines, to the ends of the earth, sharing the good news of Christ. So God, revive us tonight. Wake us up and allow us to feast on the bread of life. In your son's name I pray. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles tonight, we're going to be in Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1, that's where we were last night in Mark chapter 1, 19, or 9, verses uh, no, 14 through 20. We're going to be in 21 through 28 tonight. Do y'all remember what I asked once you find the Scripture? There you go, Jerry. Thank you. Thank you. The pastor was paying attention. I'm just kidding. Thank you. Alright, so Mark chapter 1, starting in verse 21. And once you find the Scripture, hold it up. Do y'all remember how many points I told you that I would... There we go. Five points. That's what we're going to do tonight. So this, this, again, this passage has been on my heart probably, just to share a little bit, probably for about a year and a half. Uh, the passage last night, tonight, and tomorrow, these three passages that I'm going to be bringing to y'all have been on my heart for probably about a year and a half. And I've preached them at other churches. And for some reason, God has just brought me back to these passages to share with myself and with other churches with y'all. Because when I preach to y'all, I preach to myself. The things that I want to challenge y'all, I challenge myself. So, starting in verse 21 for us tonight, that's where we're going to be at. It says, They went to Capernaum, when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at His teaching because He taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Just then a man in the synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. Come out of him. The evil spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, What is this? A new teaching? And with authority, he even gives orders to the evil spirits and they obey him. 
In verse 28, it says, News about Him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. Church, this is where we're going to be at tonight. These set of verses 21 through 28. So the first point for us tonight, church, verse, if you look back in verse 21, it says that Jesus went into Capernaum in the, uh, the Sabbath. Jesus went into the synagogue. And what did He begin to do, church? Teach. Teach. Alright, so rewind to last night. When Jesus got baptized by John the Baptist, what did He start doing in Galilee? Starts with a P. What? To proclaim. So He was heralding, He was shouting, He was sharing with the world about the, the good news. And we talked about repentance, and we talked about believing last night. Well, Jesus, what does He do when He walks into the synagogue? He begins to teach. So we see proclaim and we see teaching as critical things to the Savior, the Messiah. So let me ask a simple question because this is point number one. Jesus being a teacher. So let me ask, what does a teacher do? Well, let me tell you, church, if, you, if, you, if you're wondering what does a teacher do, I was married to one for... Se- or I still am. <laughs> still am married to a teacher. Still... She was a teacher for seven and a half years, church. She was a teacher. And Dixie, you were a teacher for seven and a half years at Ninth Grade Academy teaching science. Well, I can tell you, when stuff came to the house, there was laminated stuff, there was lesson plans scattered out on the floor, and I knew she was a hard worker. She has a chemistry business degree from Wingate. No education degree. When they hired her on at Ninth Grade Academy, She had to go on to get more education classes and then take a test to be certified. And I know Dixie was a hard worker because within five years, church, she became teacher of the year at the ninth grade academy. Not even as an education major originally. And she was a go-getter. But I remember Dixie, when she was a teacher, she would always talk about students that were in the honors classes, but some in the regular classes that really wanted to learn. They wanted to be there for the right reasons. They were doing a notebook that was highlighted and everything else. But then there were some students that wanted to be babysat. That was just there to waste time. Some of those students ended up getting in fights in her class. So as a teacher, you have some students, you have some pupils that want to take in what you're teaching. And that's what a teacher does. They have the knowledge. They have a textbook. They have a desire to pass on this information to the students so the students can go on in life and do something amazing, do something good. Well, church, can I tell you, Jesus is the great teacher. He has the best information that we could ever find in this world. And He's in the synagogue, surrounded by people, sharing this information telling people probably about the Old Testament and saying, hey, you know those lambs that you have to sacrifice over and over again? Guess what? There is a lamb that has come right here before you. And if you just stick around for three more years, you'll see a lamb that has sacrificed once and for all. Jesus is in the synagogue teaching people about life-transforming information that He's wanting to pass on to these people. So let me ask you a question, church. Because some of us, when we read Scripture, and I battle with this too. Again, when I look at this, I, I battle, I, I look at Scripture, and I'm like, alright, I read it, but then i got to apply it. I don't want to just be filled with head knowledge, but I want to take it, absorb it. What are the teachings of Christ? Let me learn from them. So let me ask you this. This is the application for us tonight, church. Are you allowing the teachings of Christ to penetrate your heart? Are you learning from the great teacher that can have the best information you can ever find? It's not just information, but this information, when it comes into your life, it will transform you from a sinner unsaved to a sinner now experiencing grace and mercy. So are you allowing Jesus to be your teacher? Do you even have a desire... Do you even have a desire to learn His information? Do you have any desire? Because church, I'm reminded that as you learn from Jesus in a vertical way, 
Let me, so let me tell you, if you j- learn from Jesus in a vertical way, that's Jesus, you are my teacher. I'm learning from you. I'm studying your word. I'm in your word. It's a, coming into my life. Guess what? It is so good that i got to share it with other people. So there is a vertical teaching point. And then us, as Christians, if, we are com- if that teaching is compelling us, then we got to share it with other people. Last night, I challenged y'all to share with one person, to pray for one person for you to share your faith with. If Jesus is your teacher, if you have His information, His DNA dwelling inside you, then you have to share it with other people. You can't contain it. And I think that's one of the, again, what is a revival? That's what home, to the next few nights are about, reviving. Well, some of us, we've learned some stuff. We've been in VBS. We've been in Sunday school. We've, we've learned some information about Scripture. But then there becomes a point where we have to share it with this world. We've got to tell people. We've got to get excited about it. So, who is your teacher? So, that, may, that might be a follow-up question on that. Is Jesus your teacher? Or are you learning from other people? Are you learning from other things? So maybe another application point for us tonight. All right. Let me wake us up a little bit because I feel like I feel like we need, we might need all right, point number two for us. And this is this is one that I struggle with, church, that I battle with when I read this passage and study this. When Jesus went to teaching, what was the reaction? Someone tell me in verse twenty two, what was the reaction of the people? They were astonished. My translation, they were amazed. They were excited. I'm convicted, church, that many of us as Christians aren't excited or astonished by the love of Christ that dwells inside of us. That when people look at our lives, when they see a Christian, they see boredom. They see complacency. They see that we are content with doing stuff in the world rather than being amazed by the teachings of Christ. And I'm so glad, James, I'm so glad you're here tonight because I was going to share a story about being amazed. So I'm convicted on this passage, James, by the way, because many times I get amazed by hunting and fishing. So let me share a little story about one of James' son that I'm really good friends with, Spencer. So one day, Spencer and I were sitting in a tree stand on their property back in high school. And I'm sitting in a tree stand. I'm on this side. I'm a lefty. So, you know, I'm shooting back this way as a lefty. Spencer is a righty, I think. No, I think he might shoot. Well, anyway, besides the point, he's sitting on this side. And we came to an agreement. Anything on this side of the tree stand is mine. Anything on this side of the tree stand is yours. Spencer, that's your side. This is my side. All right? And we were in agreement until that deer came out. (laughs) Until that deer came out, that deer came out on my side. I'm like, oh yeah, this deer's walking, coming in. I'm I'm getting my gun ready and I hear, Nathan, Nathan, can I shoot the deer? I'm like, Spencer, he's on my side. He's He's on my side of Nathan, let me shoot the deer. Please, please let me shoot the deer. Spencer, he's on my side. He's coming to me. Nathan, I'll give you $100 if you let me shoot that deer. I'll give you $100 if you let me shoot. Spencer, I'll let you shoot the deer. So, come to find out, the deer literally comes to below the tree stand, right here, right below me. I mean, it is nothing... I could about throw a rock and hit the deer. Spencer stands up, puts his gun over top in front of me, pulls the trigger. That deer just boom. I'm like, all right, Spencer, I'll let you shoot the deer. Where's my $100? He's like, man, I don't have $100. So the reason, the, reason, the reason I share that story, church, is that when I go hunting with friends, with buddies, when I get involved in hunting, I can get amazed. I can get excited. I can get astonished. And that's just about deer. That's about being in a tree stand, being out in the outdoors. But I'm talking about being amazed by a God that will take you by the hand and walk you through the valleys and the high and lows of life.
Do you hear me, church? That I get excited that when I see my buddy, as my ears are ringing, as my ears are ringing, and I'm like, all right, Spencer, I think the deer's dead, you know. I get excited about that. But I'm talking about the good news of a Savior that decided to bleed and die and get upon a cross so that we can have eternal life. I get excited when I catch a fish. I get excited when I'm in the woods hunting. But I'm talking about being astonished, being amazed by the power of Christ when He comes into your life that you cannot keep it bottled up. But you have to be telling people and it is just flows out of you that you are astonished and amazed just as these people were. Can I tell you that these people, the reason that they were amazed is not because some pastor, some rabbi, some Pharisee was just going through the spill through the teachings and the Scriptures of, in the Old Testament. But because the Son of God was before them. And they really got to feel the power of Christ before them. And because of that, they were astonished. Application point for us tonight, church. When was the last time you truly felt astonished in your walk with Christ? When was the last time you felt amazed and truly worshipped in your walk? That when the songs play, when Jerry preaches, or if you go to another church, that when people, when the pastor preaches, that the gospel, that the teaching of Christ is so powerful that you feel the presence of the Holy Spirit that all it causes within you is to be astonished. And then when you walk out of the church, into your families, into your homes, into your businesses, people can genuinely see a Christian that stands amazed. When was the last time you really felt the power of the Holy Spirit and were amazed? What is a revival? It means that you are awakened from the dead and now you are focused, you are set forth and ready to go for Christ. And that you're living in amazement and astonishment because you have genuinely felt the power of Christ in your life. Are you amazed? If I had to put a sermon title on this tonight, that would be it. Are you amazed by Christ? Because many of us, we get excited about sports. I already talked about that last night. We get excited about the many things of this world But it seems like some of the last things that we ever get excited about as Christians is this right here. So I challenge you. I challenge you, church. Connect with your Savior and be one who is amazed. Point number three for us. As we we look along in this Scripture tonight, It says that these people were amazed at His teaching. It says, because He taught them as one who has authority, not as the teachers of the law. So again, the comparison between just mere man, sinners, who had the ability to teach the law. But Jesus is in a whole different ball field. And it says that He had authority. And when I I looked at this passage, I I was starting to think, does anybody in the church know who J.K. Rowland is? Does anybody know who she is? Raise your hand help me out a little bit. Some of y'all might recognize that name. Maybe you recognize the book series, Harry Potter series. So, to kind of use this illustration, she is one who wrote a series of books who then went into movies and made millions, probably billions of dollars. I, I didn't look up how much. But there's also amusement park rides. There's costumes, there's board games, and it all started from this fictional, this author who was, who was a fictional author who wrote a series of books. Can I, can I tell you, if she walked into a school or if she walked into Disney World or walked into a restaurant, because of her authority, her, her popularity, I would assume that people would just flock to her because of how she's written books. But I'm talking about one who's a non-fictional author. One that holds the truth in the palm of his hand. 
The reason why he, Jesus has authority is because He existed. He is the Alpha, the Omega. He is supreme over all. He is the truth. He is not some fictional author. That's why these people were amazed. Because He was set above any other person that ever walked this earth. Any of the prophets. He was above and beyond, church. And the, the reason He had authority is because of that right there. And many of us, this is the conviction part that I preach to myself and I want to preach to you all tonight, is that many of us, we look to so many other authority figures in our life besides this one right here. And I'm convicted of it because I put my life into so-and-so's hand, a politician, whatever, uh, maybe a, a worker, maybe a pastor I look up to, and I put myself into these authority figures, maybe mom and dad. I looked at them, but they will never, never be on the same level as the authority of Christ. That from mom and dad, politicians, whoever, school people, teachers, they still fall short. J.K. Rowling, a popular author still falls short. I'm not talking about some amusement ride, some board, board game or some movie. I'm talking about the one who has the truth in the teaching that says, you want to know how you have eternal life? You confess Him as your Lord and Savior with your mouth. And you give your life to Him and you surrender to Him. Many of us, we struggle and we battle because Jesus is not our authority figure. He is not the one we are listening to. He is not the one we're obeying. He is not the one who we're trusting with our life. And we need to get back to trusting in Him as our authority. Amen, church? Amen. All we got to do is, like I said last night, all we got to do is turn the TV on and see, all you got to do is pay attention to the culture and see what authority people are listening to. Look at the teenagers, look at young people, social media, all these different Snapchat, Instagram, all these different things that I like. But these things will captivate these young people's minds. And that's what they're listening to. So if you have any grandchildren, if you have any great-grandchildren, nieces or nephews, I hope and I pray that tonight they can look at you and say, I do see you following Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Because that's exactly what this generation, these younger generations need, is for people to say, I take my faith serious. I live by the teachings of Christ. I look to Jesus as my authority. Not the fame of social media or whatnot. So I challenge you, Deep Creek, be a church that stands upon the authority of Christ, that seeks Christ in all things. The next point for us, which blows my mind as well, in verse 24, it says, what do you do, what do you want with this? And so this man is in the synagogue church, and this demon, this evil spirit, starts having a conversation with Jesus. In verse 24, it says, what do you want with this Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Church, this, a reason this baffles my mind is because this demon, this evil spirit, knows the earthly identity of Christ and the heavenly identity. Do you follow along? He says, hey, Jesus of Nazareth, I know where you're from. I know where you were born. I know where you grew up. And this evil spirit knows this about Jesus. But then what does he also say? Hey, O Holy One of God. In the book of James, it talks about even the demons believe in Jesus. This demon knew who Jesus was. But the one thing that separates him from these people is that these people were amazed by Jesus, but he was fearful of Jesus. Do you see? Do you follow along? He says, why, why are you here, Jesus? Are you here to destroy us? That's what his conversation is. He says, Jesus, I'm, are you here to destroy us? 
This is what baffles my mind, church. That this demon is wanting to know what Jesus is going to do. He is fearful. He is fearful of what has taken place. And guess what happens when Jesus speaks to him? Y'all remember last night, if y'all were here last night, Jesus speaks a few words, come, follow me. And what does the fishermen, the disciples, what did they do? They followed Him. They dropped their nets, left everything, just by three words that spoke to Him. Well, guess what Jesus says? Hey, be quiet, demon. Be quiet and come out of Him. And what does the demon do? Does it stay in the man? Church, let me, let me, let me ask it real quick. Let me come down here real quick and talk to you. What does He do? He comes out. He comes out of the man. And what takes place after that? The man shrieks. He violently shrieks and trembles and the demon comes out. And that takes place. Church, the reason why this is convicting to me is because the power of Christ can call the evil out of you just like it did this man. Let me say that one more time. Just by simple words that Jesus says, He speaks the evil out of this man. Many of us, we have that evil, we have sin dwelling in our lives tonight that is still there that we have not repented of like we talked about last night. But that is the power of Christ. He is perfect, He is holy, He is righteous, He is justful. He is just. I don't even know if justful is a word. i got to remember, I'm out in the country, it might be, you know. i got to remember, I'm out here, right? So, so He's just. And I'm reminded as I read this passage that if sin, if I allow my flesh to overcome, if I allow Satan to get a hold of my mind and my heart, that all i got to do is say, Jesus, come and help me. Because just how you called the evil out of this man, you can do it for me, you can do it for y'all. That So I'm, this is my challenge, this is my prayer for us tonight. That if there is any sin that you have not repented of, as we talked about last night, then I hope and pray that you will bring it before God tonight, whether in the pew or up here at the altar, that you will make it right before Christ. Because that's what the... Can I tell you, that's the business of Christ. He's in the business of changing lives. He's in the business of taking the sin out of sinners and putting holiness and putting His Spirit inside of us. So I ask you, and I'm praying, that if we genuinely want to make a difference in this lost and dying world, we have to start living a life that reflects our Savior. Which means that we got to deal with that sin issue that we got going on. And if we allow it to keep keep going in our lives, then it's going to hinder us. Can I ask you, church, real quick on this passage? This might be a sub-point. Let me ask you real quick. Where was this man at? Was he in the cemetery? Was he in the tombs as a, de- a demon-possessed man? He was in the church. Y'all catch that? He was sitting amongst the listeners that Jesus was teaching to in the synagogue. He wasn't in the tombs. He wasn't in the seminary. Seminary. <laughs> he might be in the seminary. The cemetery. I don't know if y'all know what seminary is. I'm in a seminary learning about Jesus. I don't know. Hopefully he's not there. He's not in the cemetery, in the tombs. He's not on the outskirts of the city. But he's amongst the people that Jesus is teaching. My application point for us, church, on this right here is that if this is a church that welcomes the lost, that welcomes the lost, Jerry, then you never know who's going to be sitting right here next to you in the pews. If you are a church who is about missions that says, hey, I want to make disciples, I want to bring the lost into this place so that they can be, that they can be cured of their sin. If you're a church that opens the door to the lost, then guess what? You never know who's going to be sitting right next to you in these pews. You never know who's going to be sitting there that needs a miracle done in their life. For Jesus to talk to them and say, you're healed, you're cured of your sin. Now come follow me. You never know, church, who's going to be sitting right next to you. 
Can I tell you one of the reasons why many churches are dying today and those doors are locking is because they've shut those doors to the world and they have not invited sinners to come in to hear the gospel. Many churches, especially during COVID, that's the sad thing, many churches during COVID are closing doors. Many churches around the world are, in the United States are closing their doors because they've shut them off and they have not invited people. They have not invited people to come and be a part of a relationship with Christ. So my challenge for us on this point tonight is to be a church that is inviting to the lostness and welcome people from all backgrounds of life to come and hear the Word of God. Amen, church? There's one more point for us. One more point as we wind down. Verse 27, let me read this for us again. Verses 27 and 28. It says the people were what? What were the people? Amazed. Amazed astonished. They were excited. Couldn't contain it. It says they asked each other, what is this? A new teaching with authority? He even gives orders to the evil spirits and they obey Him. And this is the final charge for us tonight, church. It says news about Jesus, news about Him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. So let me use a little illustration. Uh, some of y'all, as you have gotten to know Dixie over the past two nights, uh, I, we are soon to be parents come January. So... July, talking about fishing again, got to bring somehow bring it back to that. July fourth, July fourth. I'm July fourth. I was supposed to go fishing. I got in the truck and I was driving out of the driveway and I got a phone call. Nathan, you might want to pull back in the driveway. Okay, it's six forty-five on a Saturday. Uh, no, that was a Monday morning. July fourth. I'm pulling out of the driveway. Dixie calls me. It's about six forty-five, seven o'clock. I know I left her in the bed sleeping. She likes to sleep. So, I'll pull out of the driveway. She says, you might want to pull back in the driveway. Okay. And then there she met me at the gate to tell me that we're about to be parents. So, the issue became from July 4th to about two or three weeks later until the first doctor appointment. I could not say anything. I go fishing... So with some of my buddies down in Rockingham, I'm on the dock. And I got this big old grin on my face. I'm not even catching fish. I'm just, <laughs> you know, just I'm just smiling. And you know, I know the, I know the people I'm with. I'm, they're probably looking at me like Nathan, why are you, why are you smiling? You know, I'm I'm just grinning away. I couldn't tell them. I could not tell them until we got the doctor's appointment. And then, I know Dixie and I, we had a conversation because we wanted to wait some time before we unleashed the grandparents from this news. So that was even farther, I think, in August, right, Dixie? So, yeah, too long, Mama said, my grandmama says. So, some time. But once I got the OK Church, I was telling people, blah, 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 blah. I don't even know the people at the grocery store. Hey, guess what? Yeah, somehow, I was telling people I was about to be a dad. And it was some of the most exciting news that I've been able to tell ever in my life. Church, the reason I bring that up is that though that becoming a dad is exciting, becoming a grandparent is exciting, there's some even greater news that I want to share with y'all and with this world. Greater news that says that, Nathan, you will never have to enter the pits of hell because I love you. That I saved you, Nathan, from your sins. Nathan, I sent my one and only Son to take your place upon that cross so that you would never have to step foot into the pits of hell. But one day you will be singing, Holy, Holy, Holy. Around the throne. Church, as we come to a close tonight, some of us, we might have some exciting news to share about things that are going on in our life. But I want to ask you, do you get excited just like these people did in Scripture? 
That when they saw the power of Christ at work, it compelled them to go throughout the whole region of Galilee to share the news. Just like becoming a dad, I was excited. I was telling people. But I got some greater news to share. I got some greater news that will tell you that you will be forgiven for all the mess that you've done in the past, the present, and the future. That whatever mess ups that you do, guess what? There is a slate that will be clean when you enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Many of us, we need some excitement, amazement, astonishment in our lives so that we can start genuinely telling people about the good news that's coming to us. That's where it starts. By us worshiping, being excited about Jesus Christ and what He's done for each one of us tonight. And then there's a world that starts changing when we start changing. Amen, church? And this is what we're going to do. Uh, Kathleen, uh, Kathleen, right? If you can put some music on and just play some background music. I always try to give a chance, church, for a time of response, a time of invitation. So I said some points, of apl uh, some application points for us tonight. So as the music starts playing in the background, these are some of the things I want just to ask you to pray about tonight. Is Jesus your teacher? When's the last time you've been amazed? Who can you share the good news with this week? So as she plays, I just want heads bowed and we're just going to do business with God for the next few moments. God, I, I pray for us tonight. We are a, a people that are sinful, that are messed up, that have made mistakes, that we fall short day in and day out. But God, I'm here tonight to say thank You for sending Your one and only Son to take my place, to take their place upon that cross. God, I pray for the hearts of the people tonight. That we will start learning, that we will start we will start being excited about the teachings and the scriptures of Christ. That it compels us to share with this lost and dying world. That we will be excited, that we will move up out of these pews and get into the lives of the sinners that need you day in and day out. God, I pray for Deep Creek. God, I pray for the future of this church that You will do mighty works within the lives of the people here that, you will, that they will be a people that will be about, be about missions, being about disciple making, being about sharing the good news, spreading the news quickly all because they are in love with the Almighty Savior that bled and died for them on the cross. So God, I pray that You will revive us, that You will wake us up, that You will get us in tune with Your Spirit and guide us and direct us day in and day out. God, help us when the battles of Satan steps at our door and is knocking. God, I pray that You will just overwhelm us with Your holiness, that You will, um, that you will allow us to feel Your presence in those low and high times. God, that when the temptation's there, Give us the power to say no. 
God, help us tonight to be a church that is, a, that is repenting, pursuing holiness. God, we thank You tonight for loving us. And I pray for tomorrow night. And I pray that we can invite people to come and hear Your Word. In Your Son's name I pray. Amen. probably don't need this, but I was told a long time ago in one of the first classes that I, I took when I was getting my degree uh, in ministry was never, ever, ever turn down a microphone. <laughs> so with that, I, I, I gladly accept that. Um, as we get ready to leave tonight, remember, remember what Nathan said. You know, for those of you that, that that come to Deep Creek Baptist Church. I know you've heard me say it before, and, and I'm going to quote uh, this pastor again, and I'm going to borrow his phrase, and he told me that I could use it. Uh, Deep Creek Baptist Church is going to be a hospital for the sick and not a hotel for the saved. That's what we're going to be. That's what we have been. And that's our job, is to go out and make sure that those that are sick hear that we have the prescription for their illness. And that illness is they're, they're lost and they're going to hell. And we have the prescription that can change their direction. Nathan talked about it tonight. Life transforming Jesus Christ. That's what we have. So with that, I'm going to close us in prayer and look forward to seeing you all tomorrow night. Invite your friends. Uh, I've been on social media trying to, trying to tell everybody I know. And I know last night that we probably had two hours of broadcast because we forgot to turn the phone off. And so, <laughs> and so there were people hearing all kind of conversation. So they know the after show was pretty good. Uh, <laughs> for lack of a better term. So uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer and uh, I'll close us in prayer. Father God, I love you and I thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you for Brother Nathan and